0: Go ahead and grab some scripture, follow along with us in the Bible app as well if um, that's helpful to you. It's a joy to lead our time in the Word this morning, having just come off uh, last Sunday. I was here with you guys over Easter, but having just come off a seven-week sabbatical, and as I thought through, that's the longest stretch in about 15 years where I wasn't preaching or teaching of any kind, and so in preparation this week, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to remember how. (laughs) I wonder if I'm going to preach like a five-minute sermon and then be done because I forgot to talk long enough, or if I'm going to talk for like an hour. (sighs) We'll see, right? We'll see how it goes. But what a great time to celebrate and reflect uh, during that sabbatical period, uh, just to look back over the last 10 years uh, that our family's been here. Uh, the Lord's done a whole lot in our church family over those years, and He's done a whole lot in me as well. And so it was an incredible blessing uh, just to be able to reflect on that and spend some time in rest and relaxation um, so thankful for the gift of rest and renewal. And some of you have asked specifically, well, did it work? Uh, are you rested and refreshed? I've heard that several times. And I've wondered if I, if I maybe look haggard and you guys are like, did it work? Because you don't look that refreshed, I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I knew I was about a week into sabbatical, I knew it was working. I had this moment. Uh, where I was out on the back porch at my parents' house in Texas, and they had a swing. They have a swing out on the back porch, and I was laying down on the swing. It's a padded swing, so I was laying down on the porch swing, and it was in the shade. And I had a book on prayer that I had taken down there to read, and. Um, I was kind of uh, reading a little bit, and then I'd fall asleep, and then I'd wake back up and read, and I was like, I'm feeling pretty relaxed, and then I, uh, my parents have a a bird feeder kind of out in the yard about 15 feet from uh, the porch, and uh, one of those times I woke up from a nap and looked out, there were birds on the bird feeder, and so uh, Adam, if you'll put that picture up, I took a picture of birds on the bird feeder, and I was like, it's working. I'm taking pictures of birds. <laughs> and, and if you're like, well, of course he is, then maybe you're older than I am, because that's maybe what you do as you get older, I'm not sure. But it's at that point, I was like, it's working. I'm, I'm rested and relaxed, and I'm taking pictures of birds, birds. And so all that to say, thank you. It was a great blessing. Thank you for the cards that you... I mentioned that last week. Thank you for the cards that you guys wrote and is very restful and relaxing. Um, Let's pray again, and we'll jump into some time considering some truth. Lord, we come to you again in prayer. Lord, as we often pray, we know your word says that your spirit leads us, guides us into all truth. And so uh, that's our pursuit this morning is pursuit of truth. But Lord, not truth separate from You and Your presence. So Lord, we pray that You would, by Your Spirit and by Your Word, speak to us this morning at a deep soul kind of level. And pray these things in Your name. Amen. So this morning, here's where we're going. I have three observations for you about what we desire and who we are as a culture and a people. Three observations for you about what we desire and who we are as a culture and as a people in 2023. And then we'll ask his spirit to speak to us through his word with regard to those three observations. So the three observations, and then let's see how his word speaks to those three observations. Does that sound okay? Good. (laughs) So there's not a backup. (laughs) I don't have a second sermon prepared, so that's what we're doing. So three observations. Here's um, the first observation, and then we'll consider some Scripture that speaks to this. Observation one, here it is. We as a people want the good life for ourselves. We as a people want the good life for ourselves. We want to experience what is good and we don't want to experience what we would consider to be bad. And some of you may be like, it took you seven weeks to come up with that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're like, that's not breaking any new ground there, Dustin. Maybe you need another sabbatical. Let me explain a little further. What we consider good is different for each one of us, right? For some of us, skiing is your good. It's like, man, I'm sad the season's coming to an end. And some of you, good is no more snow from now on. For some of you, drinks and something cooking on the grill on the back porch with friends is the good life. Maybe it's a good movie, good book. So I want you to take just a second with a couple of people around you, and consider what is good in your life. Like, what do you consider to be good in your life? I'm just going to give you about 30, 40 seconds. So turn to someone, share something like that, and then we'll regroup. okay let's go ahead and regroup that's quite enough good for now go ahead and turn to psalm chapter 73 verse 28 that's the first scripture we're going to consider this morning psalm 73 verse 28 this was one of the verses the lord pointed me to during sabbatical as i began to think what would be good for me to experience during the sabbatical time i began to think well uh, what would be restful? And, and in essence, I'm asking what would be good for me? I thought of a lot of different things that would be good for me during this time. And while there's definitely some good things, maybe this was the best thing for me to come across on sabbatical when I would consider what would be good for me during the sabbatical time. And so want us to read this out of NASB. And uh, consider this scripture. If you'll put that up on the screen, there, Psalm seventy three twenty eight. And again, I like how NASB words it. it. Says, "But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all Your works." And I just want. I just want to. Soak in that for a second, and maybe read it again. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. And I wonder if we hear what the psalmist is saying here. There are a lot of things that are good. You guys just talked about a lot of them, right? You guys just begin to recall things in your life that you consider to be good. There are a lot of things we can pursue with the hopes of finding good or experiencing good. But he's saying, as for me, here's what's ultimately good in my life. As for me, here's what's Ultimately good in my life, it's the nearness of God, His presence, and I wonder how that lands on us this morning. Maybe this, for you, morphs into a prayer, God, would you show me that your presence in my life is the ultimate good? Because for some of us, maybe that, that, that has never even crossed your mind before. The nearness of God, that's my good? Because I could think of a whole lot of things that seem gooder. (laughs) Right? The nearness of God. And in the context, he even ties the Lord's nearness to how he finds refuge. And so just common sense, right? If you're needing to take refuge, it's because you're in some kind of darkness or danger. And so can I just say, especially if, you're walking through something especially difficult or dark today or in this season of life, may the Lord's presence be your refuge. May He show you that His presence in the midst of darkness is the best good you can experience. The nearness of God is my good. Observation two. I'll take a little longer on this one. Observation number two is this if observation one was we all want the good life or we want what's good, observation two is this, we are an incredibly hurried people. We're always in a rush, always running, very little downtime, seems like there's not enough time in the day, right? That's probably most of us on some level would identify with that. We're an incredibly hurried people. And then My study this week, I found this quote, and I wanted to read this. Uh, It's um, a little bit of historical context. Um, uh, It'll make sense when I read it. It says, The 1960s saw an incredible boom in technology. Because we think of now as an incredible boom of technology, and I'm not saying it's not, but when we look back at the 60s, central heat and air, microwaves, dishwashers, laundry machines... And the consensus was that all this technology would free up so much time in the average person's day. The Senate subcommittee in 1967 jointly predicted that by 1985, the average American would work 22 hours a week (laughs) for 27 weeks a year. Because of all the leisure time that this new technology would free up. End quote. We all know how that went, right? Even the invention of the smartphone, in a sense, promised more productivity. And did it deliver, right? I mean, there's the, the amount of stuff that we can get done on a smartphone, our productivity made leaps and bounds. But the time we spend on leisure, according to research, has actually decreased since the 80s. Interesting. Isn't it ironic, the very device that's supposed to help with efficiency and give us more leisure time is the device that we can't put down during leisure time? Right? Crazy. Someone once asked the Christian philosopher Dallas Willard, what he needed to do to be spiritually healthy. So this person went to Dallas Willard and said, I really want to be spiritually healthy. What do I need to do? And we can even begin to imagine Dallas Willard's answer, being a Christian philosopher. I mean, we could, we could begin to imagine what, what he might answer to that question. What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? Maybe Willard's response would be, well, more Bible reading or deeper, deeper involvement with your local church, or more generosity with your resources and your giftings. And while maybe good answers, Willard's response was none of those. He said this, You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Really? Hurry? He considered to be hurry the biggest wall or um, blockade to spiritual health he would consider to be the biggest hindrance to me growing spiritually would be hurry. And before we get to the next scripture, I want to go ahead and give you the third and final observation, and then we'll spend time in a couple more scriptures. So if observation number two is that we're an incredibly hurried people, observation number three, we want to know God. And I think that's actually built into us. It's intertwined into who we are as humans, a desire to discover and know our Creator. Or if you're not there yet, just even know if there is a God. You have to get there before you want to know Him. But once we get there, where we acknowledge there is a God, we intrinsically want to know Him. We have a desire to know Him. We have questions like, Who is He? What's He like? How does He feel about me? We want to know God. And it's Psalm 46.10, if you'll turn there, that speaks into these last two observations. And this was maybe the most powerful truth that came out of my time away, my sabbatical time. We are an incredibly hurried people. We ultimately want to know God. Those two observations meet in Psalm forty-six. 10. And as I studied Psalm 46, uh, obviously today is a little more topical, a little less walking through verse by verse like we normally do, but as I read Psalm 46, I was like, man, there is a full sermon coming at some point on the entirety of Psalm 46, but for today, it's just verse 10. Let's read that together. Be what? Still. And know that I am God. If we finish reading the verse, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And if you've grown up in church, you've likely heard that first part at least. Be still and know that I'm God. See, we want to know God. but maybe we're not willing to stop long enough to allow God to make himself known, right? We're such a busy and hurried people. No margins, little to no sitting and praying, little to no quiet, unhurried contemplation on God. We're always looking to fill every moment of every day, right? If you're anything like me, when you have downtime, you find yourself just picking up your phone or turning on music or turning on TV, It's like just sitting is incredibly hard for us as a culture. Silence is incredibly difficult for us as a culture. We want to fill every moment of every day with our phone, our games, games on our phones, TV, etc. And I wonder if we see the connection here between our hurry and our sense of distance from the Lord. Because maybe, maybe you would identify, yeah, I think what you're saying, Dustin, is true of me. I'm just incredibly hurry there's not enough time in the day and yet I feel really distant from the Lord and maybe we see the truth from Psalm forty six ten begin to mesh those together to begin to help us understand how both of those are connected or what the relationship is between the two where the psalmist says be still do you want to know God maybe you should be still Maybe if you hear his voice saying, do you want to know me? Then maybe you should leave a little bit of margins. Do you want to know me? Then stop. You're like, well, stop what? Whatever, right? Be still and know that I'm God. We might say, I want to know you, Lord. So just reveal yourself to me as I go about my hurried life. Just Squeeze in some revelation of who you are as I rush from distraction to distraction. Right? And we wonder why we may feel distant from the Lord or feel like we don't really know who He is. And I thought just even this morning in preparation, kind of in as I looked through notes and all, I added this because I think it speaks to this. If um, I told my wife, Julie, who just had a birthday yesterday, if I told her, hey, I really want to know you. I really want to know who you are. We've been married a long time, but I'm still learning, right? And she was like, well, great. When do you want to hang out? And I'm like, well, what I was thinking was, I'll just pop in my AirPod and we can talk while I work tomorrow. That'll be our date. (laughs) And her response would um, probably not be pleasant because it's ridiculous, right? There'd be some, some element where I would have to stop what I'm doing or I couldn't be doing paperwork or writing a sermon and expecting to hang out and get to know her better. But I think that's what we do with the Lord in the sense of, God, I want to know you. And as I go about my daily life, I'm not going to change anything. I don't want to stop and sit down, but would you just kind of show me who you are as I go about my normal life, in which he does graciously do. He still reveals himself in, in the day-to-day. But maybe you hear his voice this morning saying, Stop. And it's in your stopping and listening that you'll begin to know who I am. Maybe that's what he's saying. Sabbatical was about me remembering I don't need to fill every moment of every day. In fact, if I feel the urge to fill every moment of every day with activity, I may be actively avoiding time with him in the stillness. And we don't have to experience a six-week sabbatical to know this. This quote was meaningful for me this week. It says, this author says, stillness is the quiet space where God migrates from the periphery back to the center. And prayer pours forth from the life that has God at the center. And maybe today we begin to put stillness and prayer into practice in a new and fresh way. Here at the end of our service, we're not going to sing again. I've told you guys this before. Anytime we talk about prayer, um, I think there are a couple things I try to avoid. Number one is uh, uh, guilting us in prayer sermons uh, because any anytime we talk about prayer, uh, or at least in the past, I've heard sermons and it feels like there's an element of guilt tied to prayer sermons like, you don't pray right, you don't pray enough, shame, and the second thing is, at the end of a, ser- a sermon like this on prayer, it just doesn't feel right to stand up and sing necessarily, but to spend time in prayer. So here in a minute, we're going to spend some time in stillness and in prayer. And as we spend time in stillness and in prayer, even here at the end of the service, and maybe as the Lord moves you to spend time with Him this week in some new, fresh ways, Here's maybe some, maybe a helpful word. Practicing stillness in prayer is the long game. It's more about the long game. Try not to evaluate whether or not you got anything out of it after two or three minutes in prayer. I think being a little more of a prag, pragmatist kind of bent, uh, I, I tend to evaluate things like that. I try to spend two or three minutes with the Lord in prayer and then immediately evaluate, okay, what did I get out of that? Prayer is the long game. Sometimes the way we treat some time in prayer with the Lord, if you're anything like me, again, maybe spending a few minutes in prayer and then immediately evaluating whether that did any good or not. Maybe like me deciding that I'm gonna go on a diet And for lunch, I'm going to have a salad. And I'm going to eat a salad. And then I'm immediately going to look down at my belly and go, well, I don't see any difference there. (laughs) And then go a different direction, right? Sometimes that's how we treat prayer in in our pragmatism. There's something to be said about stillness in prayer over time by His Spirit beginning to establish habits of stillness in prayer. Go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. This will be the last scripture we consider today before we spend some time in prayer. Lest we forget, or maybe you hear this for the first time. Sometimes we just assume everybody is just more about remembering. For some of us, it's hearing this for the first time. Regardless, here's the truth. The only way we're able to approach Him in prayer is because of Christ's work on our behalf. It's the only way we're even able to approach Him in prayer is because of Christ's work on our behalf. Christ, the great high priest who has walked where we've walked and now intercedes for us before the Father. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. And this is, this is the therefore kind of moment here. Since we have Christ as a high priest, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some of us may have darkness that we're walking through and it just hasn't occurred to us up until this moment the importance and the vitality of spending time with Him and understanding that it's at His throne that we find Grace and receive mercy in our time of need. So, we're going to go to him in prayer and stillness and take communion together as well. We'll practice being still before him, allowing him room to speak, allowing him room to point us back to grace and mercy found in Christ, allowing him to remind us of our identity as his children regardless of what we're walking through, children who are deeply and wonderfully loved. You can take on whatever kind of posture you want during this time. If there's enough room where you're sitting, you can get on your knees. Um, you can stand up in the back of the room. You can stay seated where you are as we spend time just praying. Um, uh, sometimes it's helpful even with... Uh, just to place your hands open in prayer uh, kind of on your lap. Say, God, I I want what you want for me. I want to sit in stillness and listen for your voice and spend time with you. And I, Lord, by your spirit, I want to stop. I want to be still. Maybe by his spirit, the, the chaos and the noise begins to quiet as you spend time with him. So let's go to him for some moments in prayer and during this time as well as you're ready communions in the back the bread and the cup as a symbol of who he's is and what he's done for us his body broken his blood shed for us on the cross and so you're open to do whatever during this time as we spend time in stillness sit sit with him in prayer for a time If you're a believer in Christ, go grab communion as a part of that and sit with him and take the elements in celebration and remembrance of who he is and what he's done. Let's go to him for some time in prayer.